Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die-hard oversharer, someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire, and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hey guys, producer Rachel hopping in to introduce this episode of We Gotta Talk with Sunny. You're listening to episode 117, We Gotta Talk Hormonal Imbalance. Is that what's causing adult skin issues like acne or aging? Well, to answer that question, Sunny is going to be interviewing Dr. Zenovia in just a moment about Exactly that. Now, Dr. Zenovia is an internationally distinguished board certified dermatologist and hormonal skin expert. She is so committed to doing the research and developing innovative methods to actually combat some of the leading skin issues. And she takes a look at it from a holistic perspective. You're going to hear all of that. And what one of us hasn't had some sort of skin issue, whether it was in adolescence or even as adults, we've all experienced some kind of skin issue. And Dr. Zenovia is going to explain how that all happens, what causes it, and then how to combat it and treat it. She's got all of the solutions for you. And you're also going to get to see Sunny if you are watching this on Facebook, on video. We do put these episodes out uh, on video as well, so you can tune in and watch there or listen here on the podcast. But Sunny is stripping off almost all of her makeup for Dr. Z so that she can give her a virtual skin consultation, which you're going to learn so much from Sunny's experience and all of the expertise that Dr. Zenovia has to share. So let's send it on over to Sunny and Dr. Z. I want to talk skin because I feel yeah. like weird showing up in my robe, but I was like, you know, this is a virtual concept. Put my bathrobe on. I'm going to go um, completely skincare free. I did leave a little eye makeup on for you because I yeah. have some but major purples. I do a patient examination without a mask, by the way. I'm like, oh my God, can I put some lip gloss on? I've been wearing my mask for a whole year. So um, at the end of the day, yeah, let's talk about your skin. So um, first... I, I got the story about you, Sonia, about how you have acne. Do you still break out occasionally? Tell me a little bit about that. So, yeah. And guys, the backstory for listening to this podcast, I, I did a guest blog on Dr. Zenovia's website. You have to check out her skin journals there. She details all types of different like skin stages and issues. And so I was featured in one of them. And I had mentioned in the article, Dr. Z, that I am someone who suffered from horrible acne in my early 20s, did the Accutane yeah. thing. Um, actually, no, as a teen did Accutane and then it came back in my twenties. That's what it was. Right. And it was, it was pretty emotionally damaging. So I don't struggle so much. I did not struggle with acne until after I wrapped up having my kids and specifically after I stopped nursing. So it's not a huge problem, but can you see here? Yeah, I do. So, I do see a couple blemishes here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and what I always say is that, and, and guys, you have to check out this video on Facebook. If you're listening to the podcast, we do the video, we do the audio. So check it out. So you can see my giant pores. Um, I have the world's biggest cheek pores and it's something that's hereditary. We're Italian, hundred percent Italian in my family. And we, my, all of my, the women, we have great skin, but it's oily skin. And so yeah. I don't know if I screwed it up by taking Accutane. It's still a little oily, but those pores have yeah. been the bane of my existence and they get really clogged. If you got can it. See. And the pores are the reason you got the acne because your, your genetics had big pores. And then when you have big pores, you tend to have more oil glands around that pore. And so you get more like propensity to stimulate your sebaceous glands. So kind of like when you've got oily scalp, you're prone to dandruff. When you've mm -hmm. got large pores, you're prone to acne. So oh, I didn't it's realize that. Kind of part and parcel, yeah. And um, so like I see like this mid central couple little dark marks. Are they are those bumps? Because I can't appreciate if they're elevated. Or are they flat? 
Most of them are flat. This big guy right here, yeah. that's a, yeah. an actual pimple. And then these are mostly flat. I get blackheads in this area and okay. I get all of my acne. It's like right on my cheeks, my forehead, yeah. which ironically was the worst part of my skin when I had that batch of acne in my twenties yeah. is problem free. My chin's fine here. I don't get overly, it's just like Got the it. center right. part of my cheeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting because like traditional hormonal acne, if you like, you know, Google hormonal acne, it tends to be more jawline. This, I have a few acne, of those. by the way, this cheek acne is kind of more genetic. So um, yeah. And the bottom line is, all acne, I don't care if it's, you know, 11 year old T-zone blackheads to like pizza face acne in an adult man, you end up doing four, four things are happening in your skin. And it's, and it's actually on our website, drzenovia.com. But basically you're getting follicular plugging and follicular plugging is caused by a dysregulated like shedding process. We all should be shedding our skin about every 14 to 21 days. And in that opening of the hair follicle, that invagination, it's not shedding right there at the opening. So it clogs the skin builds up and it closes that follicle. The only medicines that regulate the shedding process and open that little follicle are retinols and vitamin A derivative products. So a lot of people are like, oh, salicylic acid and, and buff puff. It's actual skin. So it's like physiologic skin. You can't wash off cells. You can't salicylic acid off cells. The top layer of the tissue, which is that dead layer called the stratum corneum, that can be washed off. But when your follicle is closed, it's tissue. And the only thing that's gonna open it and prevent blackheads prevent follicular plugging is retinols and accutane i had literally like i'm a freak about skincare like i read ingredients i go to durham store and i'm like nerd but i never knew that i you know because yes. i have had luck and i have some of your products here that have worked for me because i am as everybody who listens knows yeah. i test things forever before yeah. i talk about them but your glycolic acne pads i've been using and i do think they have helped but you're yeah. i'm hearing you say the acids aren't going to be enough to keep those pores clean well, i'm going to have to add in the retinol one of the biggest mistakes i see are people like oh i have prescription sick retinol and if i get a pimple i put it on i'm like wait a second that was two weeks too late you didn't do the retinol before you got the pimple to prevent the pimple from even forming so what, what is it doing? So um, retinols basically regulate the desquamation process. They make the skin go da 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 pa, da 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 pa, and it just regulates that desquamation. And it also causes collagen synthesis, which we know for anti-aging purposes. Um, it it actually sh over two years, if you use it for two years, it has evidence to shrink the epithelium of the sebaceous gland. So it does a lot to um, oil balance. Um, and it does a lot to just kind of the smoothness of the epidermis. I'm because you're such a little science uh, skin nerd. I'm going to send you a photo of what the epidermis likes pre pre retinol treatment. And it's going to be a, a pathology film, like what mm -hmm. we see under the microscope. And then I'm going to show you what it looks like eight weeks after retinol. And it's amazing. Our skin's like bumpy and uneven and flaky. And then you do retinol and it's like, bloop. That's, that's what, what I need. That's where you see that dewiness, Sony, where when the light shines off your face and it goes, bah, and you get that that's, like glow. That's, that's like that's glass skin. Because, yes, that's because the retin-A is causing that epidermis to be flat and smooth. So light can bounce off it. Because if it's bumpy, light just goes near and it doesn't bounce off. It looks so, like this. And so I think your little area, that little patch of hyperpigmentation, 100% and we're talking about topicals right now. 100%. I love the benzoyl peroxide um, wash for you because not only is it a powerful 10%, but it's not drying. And most mm -hmm. benzoyl peroxide washes are really drying. And I think that's really good for you. Obviously, I'm not going to hit you hardcore. You're, you're past that oily teenage stage. And if I dry your skin out too much, it's going to be too much. So I do like the benzoyl peroxide wash for you. And the other thing I love is the glycolic pads, which are key. And then the retinol every night in the oily zone of your face and basically all over. So those are Can the- I use it here? You can. In fact, um, one of my favorite products in the line is the retinol, um, the retinol eye cream. And oh, great. Yeah, and like retinol eye cream is like, you know, obviously people are like, oh no, don't put retin-A on the eyes. 
But we all know Retin-A is like the number one kind of collagen stimulator and wrinkle smoother. So I made a retinol that goes around the eyes real safely and you won't get irritated. Okay, I have a quick follow-up question here. So with regular use of the retinol product, I have yeah. yours here too, which um, I, have, I haven't been using a retinol lately. I need to get back on the wagon. But um, so we use that regularly. If it's eventually shrinking the pore where the oil comes out of, does that mean we're going to get more wrinkly because we're like drying up our oil reserve? Because my mom, the, the joke in my family is like, my mom has oily skin and she's like, I don't have any wrinkles because I'm oily. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't want to turn that faucet off, you know? Exactly. No. And the thing is, is it's funny because a lot of people think moisturizer, moisturizer, my moisturizer is the key to like no wrinkles. I'm going to give you a little like science bit. If you go to the Accutane studies, okay, Accutane supposedly dries out and like basically shrivels up our sebaceous glands. And one of the things that the FDA looked at when they did this huge meta-analysis study on Accutane, this was about, God, 2014. And what they looked at was, we know that all these teenagers, we got rid of their acne, but the kids that were teenagers, 25 years fast forward, were those kids more wrinkled? Did they have more photo aging because we shut down their oil glands as teenagers? And you know what? The opposite was true. The kids who did Accutane <laughs> had better skin as adults because you preserved that collagen. You had less inflammation. You, you basically preserved that, that, that epidermal kind of integrity. So Accutane was protective for photo aging, even, though, so even though it dried you out. Mm -hmm. It did. And boy, it did. Gosh. And that's another whole story is if I knew, I knew what the side effects were at the time, as far as being handed a pamphlet, but the crazy stories you hear about Accutane now, before we move on, I just have to get your thoughts on yeah. whether or not you would give your daughter that, or yeah. is it just too much of a roll of the dice? Because there's some pretty scary side effects, especially in, in regards to mental health that we're starting to hear about. Correct. Okay. I am a very strong believer of low dose Accutane. Low dose Accutane Sony is a totally different protocol. I've been doing it for about 15 years on my patients. It is a two pill a week regimen versus a seven pill a week. And oh. it's, it's the French dosing. It came out of France probably in the early 2000s. And basically what they showed was very low doses of Accutane can have equal effects on severe acne or even mild acne. So my answer to your question about my daughter, I'm going to take my kids through high school without one pimple. The minute my kids start getting pimples, I'm going to make them do that little buff puff with a benzoyl peroxide retinol. The minute they're, you know, and this is the thing, an 11 year old is going through her own and his own hormonal changes. So at 11, they start with blackheads. At 12, they've got a few more pimples. At 13, they're making cysts. At, and so look at the slope. The slope is going up. So your acne gets worse every year during your teenagers. So what you did when you were 14 isn't going to work for you when you're 17 because your physiology is changing. It doesn't mean that your products aren't working. Your body is changing. So you have to address your acne in different levels. So for my daughter, I'm going to put her on a very baby dose of Accutane and my son so that they don't have to show up with that tumor mm -hmm. pimple on their nose and be embarrassed to be in school. Let's talk about that for a second. My God, yeah. I, ugh, I, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but yeah. there's this thought that beauty is frivolous and how do you spend so much of your time on your platform talking about beauty products? Listen, because if you've had cystic acne, um, any other skin condition, anything that presents to the world as being different or uncomfortable, it is so mentally damaging. I've told this story before, Dr. Z, but like, it was horrible, horrible. I had a boyfriend and I was going through the worst of my worst acne and I had gone to the dermatologist and he took, this is like some serious nineties shit here. He like took a lance and he like cut, he popped open these pimples with a lance. Right. So yeah. my forehead is bleeding and I walk out and he's yeah. like, you look like you just got hit with buckshot. Oh my and God. I, it was so, I cried. And yeah, of course. With me. And you know, and then I worked in television. I was working in television news as a 21 year old and my face totally. was away. So to anybody who says, you know, this stuff is, is frivolous or, I mean, try living like that for a yeah. week. And 
understand why we have to care. So I love that your platform educates people because when we know better, we can do better for ourselves and yeah. we can eliminate some of those emotional challenges that, that our kids or we might go through. So oh I just, God, we, we don't even, I mean, unless you've experienced yourself like you did and I, I had acne, not bad acne, but I remember like waking up with a pimple on my nose and telling my mm -hmm. mom, I don't want to go to school. I mean, I remember how bad I felt when when I didn't look my best or whatever, or in general. And a lot of people, I love in one of your articles, Sony, you wrote, beauty's not frivolous. And as a dermatologist, you know, I've kind of run the gamut where, you know, I feel like I'm a, a, a really kind of busy aesthetic doctor. And then I go, I swing the pendulum back and I'm dealing with like skin cancers and nodulocystic acne. And it's like, well, who am I? What's my identity? And you know what the bottom line is? You can't imagine how much your external projection affects how you feel about yourself. And that psychological connection between skin and confidence is undeniable. Mm -hmm. And so it is a big deal. And unfortunately, we live in an age of cameras and screens and people are photoshopping and making their face look good with all these filters. And 90% of us don't have amazing skin. We need to work at it. And it affects how we feel about our day, how we feel with our spouses, our loved ones. So I don't think beauty is frivolous, but I've struggled with that concept like you. Um, and but but firsthand, I totally see so many teens who are depressed or even women in their like late 20s who are like, why am I 27 and having like acne on my jawline? I can't even go to work with a straight face because I'm so embarrassed of my skin. So mm -hmm. it's not just a teenage thing. It's huge. And I, I, I think it shouldn't be overlooked. I think um, I think that uh, we feel we we're very connected to how our, our how we look on the outside and it's just a matter of of humanity yeah i totally agree let's talk specifically about your niche and and i know that you're the doctor that people go to when we think hormonal dermatology life changes in our skin so tell me and this is in your practice both in person as well as all the stuff you the great stuff you put out online what is special about focusing in on hormonal dermatology especially for women versus yeah. just traditional regular yeah. dermatology yeah. well i mean you know first and foremost i'm i'm a broad spectrum you know board certified dermatologist. So I do everything skin under the sun. I deal with pediatric warts or birthmarks uh, all the way up to melanoma and then everything in between autoimmune diseases. So definitely my specialty is not you know, just, just hormonal dermatology. The reason that uh, we coined that phrase hormonal dermatologist, we just felt that that was a white space. We felt that a lot of people, including in the medical community, weren't making that strong connection between hormones and skin. Now, don't get me wrong. I also think there's a powerful connection between brain and skin, stress, affects the skin okay so there's a lot of internal connections between organ systems but hormonal dermatology in my mind was something that i felt was neglected in the medical community it's like you had your ob gyne doctor dealing with like your hot flashes or uh the fact that you had massive cramps as an eighth grader so she put you on birth control pills at 12 years old but then you know your skin looked like crap and so you had your dermatologist dealing with that and nobody was doing this you know, so at the end of the day, I, uh, you know, as a dermatologist, I was seeing a lot of patients between the ages of, let's say, like, you know, 15 and like 50, right? There you are. And I just started to notice this pattern in people. So in the teen years, everybody suffered from acne and that was definitely hormonal. And then like post-pregnancy, women had a lot of melasma and a lot of acne okay that's hormonal for sure because your hormones are going cuckoo after pregnancy and during and then i started to notice a lot of significant changes in women's skin in the perimenopausal lack of hydration sagginess and and that was definitely hormonal so i'm like why isn't anybody kind of talking about this so that's kind of where it was born from i love it the patterns yeah yeah, I mean, we in our childbearing years, it's like we're we need special attention, right? Not just like yes. you said, the OBGYN. There's so many parts and facets of our body that change when we're in that period. I want to kind of do this doesn't have to be super detailed, maybe more of like a quick lightning round if we can speak to each decade so we can yeah. kind of hit the listeners and the viewers that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond. Wow. Um, maybe for each decade, the type of product that they want to focus on. So if we start in the 20s and we're experiencing 
some of the things that you just talked about, hormonal acne, kind of random breakouts. What is like a star ingredient for that decade? And then we'll kind of move on from there. Love it. Okay, so perfect. In your 20s, I think, okay, first of all, no matter how young you are, everybody needs sunscreen every day to prevent. It's the number one anti-wrinkle cream. So I recommend the vitamin C SPF moisturizer, which won't break you out on everyone from 20 to 90. Okay, that's that. I have it here. But, okay. Um, so that I'd be remiss, yeah, I'd be remiss to be a dermatologist and not say that's my number one choice for every single person. Okay. But let's get, but you know, that's the mean potatoes. Now let's go to the icing on the cake. Yeah, exactly. The, the vitamin C moisturizer, I added the vitamin C in the um, sunscreen because- It runs right out. Yeah, it doesn't look white and pasty. It goes on every skin type. And the reason that I chose that is because a lot of people have this taboo about sunscreen, as you know, so oh my God, it's gross, it's thick, it's pasty, blah, blah, blah. It's not, they make micronized zinc now that looks invisible. You will not see it on your skin. And the reason I add the vitamin C is because I'm a busy mom, I don't wanna layer 15 products on my face in the morning. I'm out the door in like 10 minutes. So you need an antioxidant and the vitamin C is that. Now let's go to the decades. In your 20s, if you suffer from acne, which a lot of people still do, I recommend the benzoyl peroxide wash, the spot treatment, and mm -hmm. a moisturizer depending on your skin type. There's two moisturizers in the line. It's the aloe vera soothing blemish moisturizer, which is really light, great for men. It has a little bit of that phytoestrogen that tones down that kind of inflammation. And we're still making a lot of oils in our 20s. We don't mean massive hydration. So that aloe vera soothing blemish moisturizer is smooth, gives you hydration with that aloe vera, which is like a sponge for water without looking oily. Okay, so those are the, 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 that's kind of like the beginning of good skincare, a little Got bit it. of moisturizer and acne control. Now, once you go into your 30s, we kind of up our game, okay? We need a little bit more antioxidation. You need a little bit more kind of sloughing because you're not desquamating as easily. So I will, you know, I'll continue with the vitamin C and the um, SPF in the morning. And then at night, I might go with a glycolic pad. And I might increase my moisture content a little bit, and that's the hyaluronic acid and peptide serum. And that's the one in the jar. That's the one, in, the, the hyaluronic acid and peptide serum is a little blue kind of bottle, and it has, you know, fractionated hyaluronic acid. And um, I know that you like this product because it adds, yeah, it adds hydration, and you can see it's a little bit blue because the glass bottle is invisible, yeah. And um, I love it because it's moisture without oil and it plumps in those little early lines that we get under our eyes. That is my big thing. I mean, anybody who's watching now, like um, I don't have too many wrinkles there, but it is like, I don't know. It's a, it's a hereditary thing. Um, just the, the, the cast, the shadow that's cast under my eye is just yeah, massive. Yeah, I want to talk so. about it with you with like, and we'll, we'll, when we shift here out of the decades, let's go into your face specifically. And I'll give you some of the stuff that I recommend. Oh my God, please do. Okay. So let's talk 40. So is presuming any woman of childbearing age is like going at that in her late twenties, thirties, maybe early forties. Yes. Let's move into the forties. Give us a couple star products or ingredients okay. for in that. And 40s, then we'll go beyond. I love it. In your forties, you've got to be on a retinol hands down. You use the retinol and you, you, you eat it, drink it, and you put it around your eyes and you just, you preserve as much collagen as you can. Now, one of the main ingredients in my line was that proprietary complex that I created called the Regulate 360. What begins to happen in our forties is our estrogen starts to decline kind of precipitously. So you start to see a lot of aging qualities to your tissue that you didn't see in your thirties or twenties. You um, get more skin laxity. Uh, estrogen supports our tissue, Sony. So it, it makes you hydrated. It gives you that buoyancy. It's proliferative. So it gives you bounce and, and kind of dewiness. And without estrogen, we start to see those changes. So the retinol is huge. It also has that phytoestrogen hormonal support. And then I, I go for the retinol eye cream. I still go for the glycolic pads. And then maybe you need a little thicker moisturizer when I add the peptides, um, the peptide and ceramide. That's that jar that you love, that thick mm -hmm. moisturizer. I have that one here. Yeah, I, I actually, this is the one that I've had, I think yeah. the longest out of the line. Yeah, peptide and ceramide repairing. Not, it's like it's thick, is that too oily for you? Mm -mm. It's not. Okay, no, so it's not. I layer it on, I, I just make it my last step. So any like, you, go. Yep. you know, treatments I put on and then I just seal it in and Go to bed. There you go. Okay. Love it. And then let's go on to your fifties and sixties. 
I start adding, interestingly, uh, the Inflamaging Night Repair. The Inflamaging Night Repair, I, I don't think you have that right now, but basically that's one of my favorite products of the line um, besides the glycolic, the retinol. I do think that aging is an inflammatory process. Okay. I am so interested in hearing more about this because yeah. um, I've been being tuned into some of the beauty podcasts. We mentioned Los Angeles, which is where I heard you and a bunch of other podcasts have been talking about inflammation and saying that it's the next yes. need that the beauty industry will be addressing. So can you tell us what it is and how your product targets it? Like the idea is that when you're young and you, you know, get inflamed for whatever reason, you don't sleep at night, uh, you twist your ankle or uh, you eat too much sugar, your body's inflammatory response is dampened and taken care of immediately. And inflammation is kind of sequestered really effectively as a young person. And as you get older, inflammation, which we get all day long, all the time, whether we're stressed, whether we have, like I said we ate too much sugar drank too much wine we twisted our ankle inflammation kind of gets the best of us and starts to mess with our cellular chemistry so this is where omegas meditation anti-inflammatory medication all this stuff dampens that override of inflammation and keeps us healthy and at working at our cellular best Okay, so this is kind of a layman's version of how do you control baseline inflammation in the body? And our body usually does it when we're young, but when we're older, and, and it, it, it kind of takes a hold of us. And occult baby inflammation in the skin, we don't see, right? You're just kind of just chewing up your collagen. You know, like if you got a sunburn at 50 years old versus a sunburn at 11, way different skin experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. So inflammation night repair was specifically created because all doctors love steroids. We love to use prednisone and dampen inflammation. And when somebody's got bad headaches or arthritis or acne, even we'll dabble with cortisones to shut down inflammation. It's like a grenade, but you can't live on steroids and you can't put steroid in creams because it can thin the skin. So how do we give anti-inflammatories almost like a baby aspirin? How do I give your skin a baby aspirin every day? And um, you can, and you do it with high potency antioxidants. The three that I chose in my product are resveratrol, green tea polyphenols, which are massively antioxidant, and uh, caffeine. And the three constrict the blood vessels, dampen inflammation, and kind of get your skin to be really dewy and smooth without that baseline kind of like aggravation. And I love that product. I don't care if you're acne prone, rosacea is amazing for rosacea, and even for aging, it's a trifecta product and it's called Inflammaging Night Repair. So, so where do we use that in the routine? If we want to stick with our retinols and be diligent about that, where in the layering does that fall? Okay. The way to do it is you put your retinol on naked skin. Okay. Your retinol. Always. Okay. Skin. Your Inflammaging Night Repair goes on top. And then your last step is your moisturizer. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. I guess that makes sense because you want the penetration of the retinol primarily. Correct. And then it's like, boom, boom, boom. And really a lot of people don't even need that third step moisturizer. The Inflammaging Night Repair, I put about seven emollients in it to make it effective as a moisturizer. So sometimes if you're not dehydrated, you don't even need that last step. So you do the glycolic white first, the retinol and the Inflammaging. You've got like a powerhouse packed product in there. You've got your BHA, your glycolic. You've got your retinol, which is like the most important thing. And your inflammation is just that little layer of chemistry and trickery to um, support your skin. It's, it's you, I want, I'm going to send you that ASAP because okay. if you're in love with the moisturizer, wait till you try the inflammation. You're going to go nuts. Oh, I'm going to love it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I could use any, any help right now. It's just, I was just talking about it. We got back from Vail recently and we're in Florida. So the change in humidity was yep. massive and my skin, which usually adapts really well is all of a sudden, like, I mean, it was chapped. It was like peeling. It was yep. just a total mess. So it's important though to kind of like, okay, so what makes this different over kind of the other lines on the market? You know, why is this, why should I use yours versus this guy's and that guy's? The bottom line is, I think the key thing with the hormonal dermatology, and, and I know we touched on this earlier, is that 
that little phytoestrogen, which is the genistein that I put in the each product. So from acne to the essentials line, every product has the regulate 360. And that's kind of the juice and the jam. And what it is, it's it that provides that little tiny hormonal support of phytoestrogen, both for men and for women, to basically support the tissue on top of the other tenants that we know in dermatology, like glycolics and retinols. So it's that additive agent that just is so beautiful in the line. And I think it's making people's skin look amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Let's, let's continue with the diagnostic here. I'm like scared okay. to get too close. Um, I'll just kind of move and you tell me when you want me to stop. This is like a real humbling experience. Yeah. So the, I want to talk a little bit. Yeah. So you have a little bit of central redness and like, obviously this little area is kind of your inflammatory zone right here, babe. And, and you know, your little things. So so when I look at someone, I'm going to show you this on my phone because it's so powerful. Um, I always analyze skin in a very unique way. I It's called my signature four, okay? And I examine your skin with color. I look at your color. Perfect skin has four features. Is your color even? Is it red? Is it blotchy? Is it brown? Is it hyperpigmented? So we analyze color. That's first. Second is texture, the fine lines. Do you have wrinkles? Do you have um, uh, indentations? What's the texture of your skin? The third is volume. Volume is the hallmark of the aging face. Are you sunken? Are you hollow? Are you sagging? And then elasticity is the force. And based on color, texture, volume, elasticity, I will analyze your skin, Sony, in this way, and then I'll determine what I think you should do. So from a color standpoint, when I look at your face, you have pretty- This is abnormal, I feel like. I mean, I literally was like chapped skiing down a mountain in Vail two days ago. But I, you know, it, it's- you're not, a, you're not a blotchy mess. Like you, you're Italian. You don't make a ton of sunspots. I do <laughs> see a little bit of that hyperpigmentation in the cheeks. So from a color standpoint, I would recommend the Inflammaging Night Repair for you and the glycolic. And if you wanted to add a hydroquinone, to kind of bleach out some of the brown areas. I don't have hydroquinone in my product because it is a prescription. Mm -hmm. um, hydroquinone is a prescription strength bleaching cream and I love it for people who have pigment in their face like you and I and we're prone to brown spots and hyperpigmentation. I think topical therapy and I have it on my on my um, phone, uh, the, and these are posters that I have in my office when I do my consultation. But if you look, when you look at color, it's kind of hard to appreciate the, to fix color. The first thing is topical therapy, then chemical peels, then lasers. So we first do topical therapy before we go into lasers. And, and how long do you give someone to like react to a new routine before you decide, okay, we're going to add on love X, it. Y, and Z? Great question. I tell people when I when I examine you and I'm looking at your color, which is the first feature of perfect skin, I'll give you three to six weeks, about a month, I tell people, to examine your skin after your topical regimen. So I might start you on a prescription strength retinol and hydroquinone with a glycolic pad if you have hyperpigmentation. And I'll bring you back in a month and I'll say, okay, now we got rid of, let's say, 25% of that pigmentation. I got to hit you with a laser. Now I got to hit you with a chemical pill. And I'll make that assessment when I see you a month later. So um, that's now let's say you're really red and you've got massive rosacea. I won't do retinols and bleaching creams. I'll do rosacea care. I'll put you on a rosacea gel. I'll put you on inflammaging night repair. I'll tone down your inflammation. Then I'll see you in about a month and I'll be like, hmm, should I do a laser right now? Or did we make it with the topical therapy? So you don't always need a procedure. Topical therapy is super powerful. The okay, so, so from a color standpoint for you, babe, what I would do is I would start kind of a retinol with a hydroquinone for the pigmentation. Mm -hmm. but I, yeah, and then I do think the inflammaging night repair around the nose and that redness is gonna be good, but I do want you to continue your glycolic all over and your retinol all over. Okay. I will say like your pads, I know that is like just one part of it, but if anyone wants to like, this is like the starter product that I would say like, you'll get addicted to the line after this. Like I have, I'm just loving these so much. I just had to say that. Like in a couple and like maybe seven days, you see a difference. It's insane. I mean, and you know, if for someone like you said that, that has like, um, 
bigger pores. Like I just, I feel my skin feels smooth last night. I did it. And I ran my, my face or my fingers over my face. And I said, Oh, it feels like it's clean. It feels good. It was just, it's so nice. Okay. So, So that's good. Now the next feature of beautiful skin is texture. So texture as, as you, it, you know, kind of, uh, I love your honesty. You said you've dabbled in Botox. That's yes. these fine lines. That's these little crow's feet. That's right. the whiskers, the little cigarette lines we get around our mouth. Texture and, and also just the smoothness in general. Again, texture, the first line is that retinol and that retinol. And then okay. second is neuromodulators, Botox, Xeom, and Dysport, where we get our early wrinkles around the lines and forehead. That's a no brainer. I consider, Botox and Xeomin and Dysport, those are the three uh, neuromodulators we inject. Um, I think those are preventative for wrinkles. If you're mm-hmm. like creasing your eyes and lifting and creating all these uh, you know, wrinkles in your forehead, if you do a little bit of Botox, it prevents that creasing and, and improves texture. Uh, yeah, I love it. Texture. Like for you, I don't see you have a roadmap of wrinkles on your face because you've done such a good job taking care of it. So texture is not your issue, Sony. I would bypass that that level automatically and go straight to volume. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so, okay. So I have full disclosure. I talk about this all the time, but um, I've had filler under my eyes because yes. I have that. And I, I did an ellipse a while ago, but I haven't done it in a long yeah. time. I feel like I need some more, but um, I don't know why we're like scared to talk about this stuff. I do feel like it's a bit of false advertising if I show up and be like, oh, like woke up like this. Like, no, I shove needles into my face. You know what I mean? It's okay. No one's perfect. It's not pleasant. But um, but yeah, I just like to be as open as possible and tell people again, it doesn't make you superficial or whatever. The preventive Botox, like you mentioned, has been huge. I mean, since my late 20s, I've been getting random. I remember when Botox first became like um, widely available, this clinic opened in the city I was working in at the time. And they're like, we're just starting with Botox. You want to try it? And I was like 20 something. I'm like, sure. So, I mean, it's, I've been getting it on and off for a long time, but it helped. I do think there's a a massive preventive element to that, but I do want to ask you this. If you're, my concern was always, this is my suspicion. I don't know if I'm right. I'm freezing here, but I feel like my face is making wrinkles in other places and that worries me. No, it does. And you can't put Botox everywhere. Like you can't, right. you know, on these, and we don't want to and start to get here. You can't Botox this. You'll be paralyzed there. Right. So the answer is I, I love your honesty. The fact that you've admitted to the uh, filler and the tear troughs. This is one of the earliest places women see hollowness and it's due to the, the malar cheek, which sits right here. We have a fat pad that sits beautifully on our orbital bone. When that descends, this gets hollow and this gets saggy. So you get two things that happen. You get early gels and I'm starting to get that early gel because my mid cheek is kind of falling. So supporting the tissue up in here with filler without looking fake, without changing what your face looks like, kind of just softens you and makes you look rested. And it's, and like you said, I inject needles in my face. I mean, like I'm a cheater. What can I tell you? It's not even that. It's just kind of like, it's. And think of injecting moisturizer. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing. You're injecting yeah. moisturizer. And, um, you know, I, I can't tell you the most common conversation I have in my office is, Dr. Zinovia, I don't want to look fake. I'm so afraid of looking like this person or that person. And I, I don't want to do fillers. The fear of unnatural results is still the number one reason people do not seek aesthetic medicine care. People are so afraid of what we see on YouTube or what we see on um, our television and movies. We don't want to look fake, I think. And so, you know, I'll get women who come to me and like, look at the lips in this picture. Make my lips like this. And I'm like, well, Melissa, even though those lips are gorgeous, your eyes don't fit that lip size. Sorry, but let me tell you what we can do for your lips. That's amazing because remember for the a while when when fillers were first like becoming super popular in pop culture, everybody wanted Angelina Jolie lips. And I'm like, we don't have Angelina Jolie faces, therefore we cannot have her lips. Okay, and it's but you know there's but there's a lot of people, for example, and this doesn't fit everybody. There's some women who have paper thin lips, and they've like I've hated my lips since I was 13, and I just and I'll be like, you know what? I hear you loud and clear. We're gonna give you a little juice in there. We're going to make you a little bit more luscious, but we're not going to make you look like a freak. So there's ways to enhance and there's ways to augment. And it's done always with a subtle artistic eye. I love 
early tear trough filler done correctly. I hate the shelf where someone puts so much and like you can see the cheek like projecting forward. Your filler, Sony, I don't know when you did it, when the hell you did it, but you look so natural and not tired looking. So whatever you did, the person did a great job. Thank you. I will pass that along. Maybe, maybe I'm we'll serious. go in. But I, I mean, I, I feel like I might be due for some more. It's been, I mean, it was pre pandemic for sure. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just, I like to be transparent and there's no shame in wanting to do things. So that let me tell you kind of like the background filler story. Okay. So when you're young, like you thirties, you have a little sunkenness here. Okay. Maybe a little line here, whatever. Let me tell you what happens and let me project for you five, 10 years from now. What starts to happen is you get global volume loss. And this is what, this is the forest through the trees. Not only do you, oh, I have this line. Oh, I have this line. Actually, what happens, Sony, is your proportions begin to change as the entire volume of the face shifts. So our temples get sunken. Our jowls get a little thicker. So when you're young, you have an inverted triangle shape of your face. Your brows are broader than your chin. And you can see me, brow is broader than my chin. I have an inverted triangle. But no, I, I have like a square. <laughs> what's gonna happen to you, and this is one of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll just mention on you, your temples begin to get thinner and your beautiful Italian cheeks are gonna start to drop, not quite yet. So this, now ends up looking like that or Ooh, like where and like you said so that proportion makes you look a little older and so when you start looking at global shifts you no longer are like frosting the cupcake with a little filler and juvenile you start to support the foundation with sculptra or other stimulating fillers where you're injecting temples behind your ear you know, like you're supporting kind of the structure instead of filling the shadows. Here's a question for you, because um, I remain open to whatever I may need down the line. How do you decide if a patient is a better candidate for a partial facelift or a deep plane, whatever is like the big thing now versus yeah. an overall injectables like the Sculptra and um, it's other a, it's fillers? Great. I love you are so smart. You're so intelligent with your questions. The bottom line is it's it's in the evaluation. When I evaluate your face and I see like your jowl is three millimeters below your jawline and your ears are totally sunken right here, I will look at you straight in the eye and I'll say, Barbara, Mary, Joe, Bob, whoever the hell you are, with all due respects, if I give you six vials of filler, I'm going to make you 25% better, which is better, but not great. If you go and do a mini facelift, you're going to get 85% better. What is a mini facelift anyway? What are they doing that's different than a whole thing? Okay, a full face, um, they actually uh, incise above the head and they cut around the ear. So you're getting like the brow lift and the facelift. And those are kind of aggressive. Now people are getting facelifts a lot younger. And, you know, it's people are getting facelifts in their late 40s and like early 50s. They're not waiting till they're 75 years old. We want to look good as a 50 year old, as a 60 year old. It is aggressive, I think, if you're, if you're getting plastic surgery you know in your 40s because I don't I think most women you can augment and lift their tissue with fillers creatively with Sculptra with Voluma and a lot of the thick thicker fillers that can lift like radius but I, I do see many facelifts quite common and a mini is where they just cut behind your ear and they just kind of sharpen the lower face a little bit like that yeah, it's kind of like that. You have a beautiful, sharp jawline. If I, if you were in my office and I was evaluating your face, I would say just obviously image quality here is a little bit compromised. I can't appreciate the three-dimensional structure because three-dimensional is so important. When I analyze you, I look up, I look down, I make you do this. And I'm really looking at like the three-dimension. It's not here right? It's how you look from up here and down and here. So it's hard for me to appreciate, but I can just tell you this. You don't need filler. Your face is beautifully natural. I love how you look right now. I can't appreciate your tear trough too detailed right now, but I can tell you if I saw you, I would say color, texture, volume, elasticity. I'd focus on your color. 
And I maybe do a buff and shine laser on you to get rid of that residual pigmentation. And I like all the lasers. I have 11 of them in my office. I think they're all one six half dozen of the other. And if you get in the hands of somebody that knows lasers, they'll recommend what you need. Laser stimulate your collagen and get rid of pigmentation, period. I've I've heard of good things about clear and bright. I'm doing some RF microneedling for the first time. Love RF. Do you know what RF is doing? Has that been explained to you before? Okay. They told me there was something with heat. Good. So RF is radio frequency. It's not a real laser. Lasers are light, but RF bypasses the epidermis, right? Here's your epidermis. Here's your dermis. Here's your fat. And then there's your bone. RF is a long wavelength that skips that epidermis and heats up the tissue deep so that you get buoyancy and thickness of your tissue. So it's a great collagen stimulator deep so you get kind of tighter and just the integrity of your dermis is better. But it's not like you're gonna get red. Do you get red and flaky? I never get red and flaky. I mean, I guess when I did, not even with the RF microneedling, I did one out of three so far. I'm just always trying new stuff. And yeah. I I was red and that, it kind of hurt. I mean, I was surprised. It was the like RF, the gun they kind yeah. of punches oh, yeah. in there. It's like a staple, it's like a staple gun. Um, yes. So what Sony just mentioned, there's RF alone and RF with microneedles. So mm -hmm. the RF with microneedles, combines two things, microneedling, and then the tips emit RF. That is that is a big procedure because it does hurt a lot. It feels a little bit like a staple gun, but there's some tricks to the trade. RF alone does not hurt, okay? RF alone is like thermage and things like that where you don't have the microneedles, it's just the deep heat. So, you know, the reason your skin looks so good, Sony, is because you take such good care. I love that you're doing RF. I think it's an amazing preventative, once a year procedure that women in their, you know, late thirties on up to sixties should be doing. I really like RF therapy for collagen stimulation. Okay. Oh my gosh. I want to talk to you all day. In fact, I just want to like move you into my guest room, Dr. Zenobia. You're amazing. You too. Um, you too. But I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So just as a, as a final thought and question, we, we talked about this on your blog a little bit, but just speak to the importance of a routine. And this is preaching to me too, because I really need to hear yes. the benefits that I can see by sticking with one thing. So can you yes. just wrap it all up and tell us why a routine is, is the way to go? I love it. I love it. So first, uh, let me just go back to the procedures. I think it's so important that you study what your doctors and aesthetic providers are recommending. Um, there's a lot of snake oil in this business and you know it better than anybody. And I think when you get a comprehensive analysis that, that really breaks down the qualities in your skin, that's when you're educated and that's when you're not spending and wasting your money on stuff that you don't need. So be smart consumers, you guys, that's the most important. And that's why I think you look so good, Sony, is because you're doing your homework and you're not just doing what your nurse anesthetic or your nurse aesthetic nurse or your doctor is telling you to do. Um, so I do think a lot of us need to adopt that platform. What does my color look like? Where's my texture? What's my volume and what's my elasticity? That's the platform that I think the public kind of needs to adopt. And, th and that's kind of like a, a comprehensive view versus like, you know, buying stuff that really isn't doing anything for you. Um, as far as the routine, I always tell people that, you know, what you do every day is so much more important than the one procedure that you're doing once a year or twice a year. All of us know that apple a day is way better than the crash diet. Okay. It just is. And uh, the consistency of preventing sun damage, stimulating and preserving collagen with retinols are kind of the meat and potatoes of good skincare. Okay. Now, when you have a disease on top of it, like rosacea or acne, you do need to address that. But as far as anti-aging, it's sunscreen and retinol girls and boys. Okay. And all the growth factors, the peptides, the niacinamides and the, this and the lifeline, the stem cell, blah, blah, blah. all that stuff is icing on the cake. A little sunscreen, a little retinol is your meat and potatoes. And then all the fancy stuff you can fit in. So that's my take home on researched skincare. Now, when you look at the pyramid of what we should do, everybody needs some block and retinol. Not everybody needs a facelift. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's my pyramid in my office. Sunblock, facelift. Okay. And there's so many things you can do in between chemical peels, facials, lasers, injectables. And you know, you go up in the tier. And I do think that 
when you when you have an issue that you need to correct sunspots wrinkles red broken blood vessels those require an intervention that you need to correct but once you fix that problem you need a solid maintenance program and the maintenance program is topical therapy that's basically prescription level, which is what the Dr. Zenovia line does. And there's a lot of good products out there. And I have four basic tenants to good skincare, antioxidation and sunscreen in the morning, period, done, end of story. So I love vitamin C and I love sunscreen in the morning. And at night, I love glycolic and retinols. That's it. Those are my four things. And then all the other stuff we do, the hyaluronic acid, the stem cells or whatever you, you find, those are kind of icing on the cook. But those are the four research proven things that everybody needs on their face to preserve their collagen and prevent aging. You are the best. I am so grateful for your time today, Dr. Zenovia. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. And thank you for letting me go makeup free with you. This is the first, I mean, yes. I'm makeup free on my Instagram, but never yeah. on my you so what i want you to do is you're going to send me some close-up pictures because obviously the cameras on our computer don't work well and i'm going to really give you some hardcore specifics so that i okay. can zoom in on your face and really tell you kind of the procedures i recommend for you because i think a lot of us get lost on there's so much out there should i do microneedling should i do and i'll give you kind of the 411 sony so that you're not you know I mean, you're already so beautiful i love how honest you are and so intelligent so thank you. Um, thank you for having me on your podcast. I hope you learned a lot. So much. Like you don't even understand. This is life giving to me. I'm I'm telling you at nighttime. So we're watching TV. I have my iPad and my husband, Andrew's like, what are you looking at? I'm like, I'm looking at Derm store. I'm like looking at the new product. He's like, how much can you actually read? I'm a total, total head case nerd. Um, okay. Tell us where we can find you on Instagram too. So I can, and, and, and find your products. You're so sweet. So my products are sold at Sephora.com and also drzenovia.com. And my hashtag is drzenovia on Instagram and TikTok. So you can find me there, but it's been, um, a whirlwind to create the product line. I really, it's been kind of a labor of love, but I've learned so much about real product chemistry that's another uh, worth another podcast on its own honestly you and i need to get back together and really talk about chemistry of products like does mixing one cause the other one to to degrade does um you know all that stuff is so fascinating so i've become a little chemist and um and remember guys we're all kind of uh, products of our genes. So when you look at a woman with amazing skin and you're kind of jealous at her, trust me, a lot of it's her genes. Okay. So, um, I, I hope that you guys look me up. You can, um, read more about my products at drzenovia.com. And I can't wait till we talk again. Sent me. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Producer Rachel hopping back in to wrap up this episode for you. Sunny and Dr. Zenovia were so wonderful and shared such great information. We're going to, of course, link all of the things we talked about in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. And as always, please do subscribe and rate five stars and review the podcast. We got to talk with Sunny. It really does make a huge difference in getting this out to everybody. And also on behalf of Sunny, I want to thank each and every one of you who helped get us to 10k followers on Instagram. It was a huge accomplishment. We are so excited that we are now really connecting with all of you and bringing you this amazing content. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode.